0: I think that is why Arthur Ashe said the most selfish thing that you can do is to help somebody else out because you're helping yourself out at the same time.
1: Diz Runs Radio, episode 1178, starts in three, two, Hey, y'all, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you by the folks over at Amino Co. If you're looking for a little bit of amino acid supplementation, step up the nutrition game a little bit. Uh, look no further than amino Co and, and one of the things I really enjoy about all of the different uh, varieties of you know both flavors and you know kind of the different blends that amino Co offers is that it kind of just works for my dietary preferences and if you've been around here for a minute you know that I'm a, I'm a low carb guy which which you know we don't need to get into all of that today because I know there's there's some some of you really disagree with that philosophy hey it works for me but one of the things I appreciate about AminoCo when it comes to uh, you know kind of the, the post long run post workout hitter that I add to the coffee once in a while or else just the, the midday pick me up with the Perform blend either way it, it works for me from a from a low carb standpoint. It, there's not a bunch of sugar in there. Um, that doesn't doesn't set my, you know, blood sugar spike in or any, anything like that. Uh, just good quality amino acids uh, in a taste that, uh, that that I can handle, you know, it's palatable. Uh, like I said, you know, mix that, mix that vanilla in with the coffee. Mm, That's a, that's a good time right there. Uh, but one way or the other, whatever your dietary preferences might be, if you're like me and you're on the the kind of low carb, no carb bandwagon, Hey, it works. If you are a vegetarian or or vegan plant based, Hey, it works. No animal products in the amino co supplements at all. Um, you know, celiac, no gluten, no soy, no lactose, whatever things that, that you might not want in your diet. And, you know, when it comes to supplements, sometimes you've got to be careful with those things. AminoCo has got you covered. And if you check out the website, uh, and if you go through the link, AminoCo.com slash Diz Runs, it's got all of that information there, all of the things that, that it works for dietary-wise. Pretty sure that whatever your preferences might be, it's going to be on the list as it, as it qualifies. Um But if you've you've been in the market for supplements before, you know that can be a little bit dicey sometimes. AminoCo has got you covered. Perform blend, uh, recovery blend, all the blends tick all the boxes in terms of different dietary preferences. So check it out, AminoCo.com slash Dizruns. If you find one that looks like it might be the right fit for you, make sure you use the code Dizruns at checkout. That'll save you 30% on your order. Uh, And thanks to AminoCo for sponsoring today's episode. And thanks, y'all, for supporting the sponsors. Now, without any further ado... Let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Today's guest is an expert in an area that uh, I have definitely had my struggles with over the years. I've talked about it a little bit, and if you've been paying attention, you know what what those struggles are, and that's kind of some of the mental side, mental strength uh, of our sport of running. So needless to say, in the course of today's conversation, I might be hoping to uh, pick up a thing or two that might help me step up my game, Uh, maybe, hopefully, Help you step up your game a little bit as well if you can. I mean, we can always use some, some more mental benefits, right? Even if our mental game is strong, there's always things we can learn to do better. So hopefully we'll all get a little something from today's chat. Uh, on the running side of things, today's guest is, uh, an, he's finished an Ironman. He's run several ultras, uh, including... Uh, up to a 100 miler, which in these in these day and ages, you know, you can even go farther than that. I don't know if there's any ideas of going farther than that Frame, we'll We'll maybe get into that as we go. Uh, but he's also done lots of other, you know, different types of races, distances all the way up to and including, like I said, the 100 miler uh, and obviously the Ironman on the multi-sport front. Uh, he also hosts a podcast, which we'll sure we'll talk about that a little bit. He's written eight books uh, so no, no shortage of, of good content out there on the mental, mental strength, mental toughness side of things that you can dig into if you enjoy today's conversation. Uh, he's worked with a variety of athletes in all kinds of different sports, different levels, college, professional, all the way up the ladder, Olympic level even, um, to improve their mental toughness. So obviously, again, expert in the area, uh, but most importantly, husband, dad. Those are, those are two two important titles above everything else. So it's a pleasure today to be able to go a few easy miles with Dr. Rob Bell. So Rob, thanks for joining us today. Uh, looking forward to it and welcome to the show.
0: Absolutely, Danny. Thank you, brother. Let's get going, man.
1: Yeah, let's do it. And uh y'all, if you cool. do enjoy today's conversation and you wanna get more of, of Rob's, you know, mental toughness work or just, you know, some some of his running stories and various other bits and bobs of, of his life into your life uh, Dr. Rob is the website. That's doctor, just Dr. Just D R. Obviously no, don't, no need to spell it all out. D R. And then Rob, like you would think it would spelled R O B and then bell B E L L pretty simple and straightforward. Dr. Rob Dr. Rob bell on the social medias, Instagram and Twitter. Great places to find him as well. Again, just all, all simple, all one word, no underscores, no dashes, no, none of that nonsense at Dr. Rob bell on the socials dot slash 1178 is the link to get you back to the show notes for today. As always, links, photos, the whole nine, anything we talk about today, and obviously the websites, books, all those things will be linked there as well, disruns.com, 1178. So Rob, the way we always start off each episode of the show, pretty simple question. Um, sometimes it's an easy one to answer. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult, especially for you ultra folks. Sometimes I feel like there's more Hemming and Hawn in the ultra world on this question than there is anything else. But, uh, anyway, it it always gives us a good place to start the conversation. And it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why?
0: Yeah, it's a great one, man. I think there's probably a lot of Hemming and Hawn because people think back, like they think back to, well, what were some great races I've Mm -hmm. had at those distances? I mean, I love the 50K Distance, uh, mostly because it can fit pretty easy into uh, training wise. It doesn't have to be that much of adjusting training in order to be able to do a 50k. But to be perfectly honest, man, I like the journey of a hundred miler. The journey of a hundred miler and watching the sun go down and the sun come up. I think that's uh, that alone is is sort of the best part. Um, any, any kind of race where, you know, you're going to kind of lose yourself in that time aspect. So, I mean, the hundred miler to me, man, I, that was my favorite distance. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's i uh, I I've had this, this, uh, reaction before when, when people say hundred miler and especially the, kind of, like you said in there, you know, 50 K, like that's a great distance, but you know, you kind of can, can squeeze that in or, you know, it doesn't, doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't feel like as much of a challenge. So that's not what you said, but point being that it's, it's kind of shorter manageable. And when you get into the ultra distance waters, um, And I just chuckle because as, as someone who's dipped my toes into ultras, I've done a handful of 50 Ks and one 45 miler, um, you know, just the idea of like, ah, 50 K that that fits in pretty easily. Like, eh, you know, but, but it all scales, right? Because there's some people that are like, yeah, five, 10 K like those fit and half marathon I really have to train for. And then there's the half marathon that like, I can do that anytime I want to, but man, marathon, I really have to train for. And it's just, it's just interesting to me how, you know, depending on what, what like peak distances you've run how that scales to what other is just kind of manageable and no big deal. I don't want to say maybe no big deal, but this, it's much easier to fit in and, and, and you know, kind of just jump into whenever Um, just again, just the way that running scales, it's just, it, it always makes me chuckle when, when that's the, the kind of the, 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 the phrasing of, ah, you know, 50 K I can do whatever, but hundred K man or hundred mile. That's really like, that's, that's a big race.
0: Right, right, right. And then, I mean, there's some people then a well, hundred milers, I mean, they go back to back weekends for it. So it's not a big deal, man. So yeah, it's it's all, it's all about level, man. And and where people are at for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So how'd you get uh, started in this sport of running, Rob? Is it something that's been, been around for a long time, many, many years, Uh, a little bit more recently, obviously I'm assuming it's been around long enough that you had to build up to a hundred mile at some point, get Ironman in there. So it's been, it's been a minute, but how long have you been uh, into the running world?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, my fitness journey, um, specifically fitness wise, I think that probably took off like after college, uh, you know, I was an athlete kind of my whole life and still an athlete. I like to say everyone's an athlete. Our office is just different. Mm. So that athlete mindset we have, but I mean, I, I ran my first marathon in 2002 then 2004 and then just kind of took a break, started doing different things, swimming, master swimming, um, didn't really pick up. And then I, I did like a half Ironman kind of on a whim that was with less than two weeks of training, just did a half Ironman, you know, cause I like to test myself. I don't recommend doing that by <laughs> the way, if anybody's listening, Hey man, let's just do it with no training. Um, but you know, from that, then there was just a lot of exploration in terms of, Hey, what are, what are these different races that that could be part of it? And, uh, it really morphed into, I did the first ultra that I ever did was 50 K. And that became probably the most meaningful one just because of the story behind it and everything that took place with it. And, um, Jeez, man, I mean, 2016, 2017 is kind of when it took off. So now there's, uh, you know, there's a race a year Mm -hmm. um, that I'll at least put in there, sometimes a couple, and just kind of depend on the schedule with kids and and where the motivation is. I mean, the motivation for doing it has to be everything because, you know, as Maggie Guterall uh, said, I mean, she won Biggs Backyard Ultra. She said, if your heart's not in the training, it's probably not good training. Um, Now, there's always going to be low periods, but I just think, hey, man, if you have that goal that's going to be there, then the training will meet it. But, um, happy to go into kind of that 50 K story as well, if you like, man, that was a real defining hinge moment in my life, but, um, that's that's really where it took off. man. Let's
1: let's dig into it. If you want to, you can't, you can't say it was, it was this great, this great event and great kind of most memorable thing. And then, you know, we're not just going to gloss over it. So let's, let's dig in.
0: Yeah, man. So, I mean, I, we did a, like a year before, and this was, uh, in Southern Indiana, it's pretty hilly, and in the year before, we did sort of the the team race, right? And so you got to see everybody doing the 50 miles and the 50K. I was like, man, okay, well, I've done marathons. Like, how hard could it be? And when I'm doing the relay races, right, like, you don't factor in, okay, well, I did a 10-mile stretch, but that was after, that was where rested, right? Like, well, how hard <laughs> is 10 miles? So I went into this race um, not really well-trained, although, I mean, I could do it. But I hadn't been training the way I needed to train, and that was specifically like on trails. You know, I mean, it was flat ground and it doing it. Uh, weather was really bad. I had a little ankle problem, kind of heading in. So uh, I started to hit some warning lights, started to go off on this race. Extremely hot. Probably about mile 13, mile 20, there was some shutdown moments that were going on. And this is my first race, kind of doing it. I'm like, when I start to feel bad, I look for something that's going to help me feel better. And at that moment, and that's not always a good thing, but at that moment, that was the smorgasbord of everything at mile 20 from the aid station. So I was taking everything in, man. I mean, the Fig Newtons look good, man. Let's have some of this pretzels. Obviously that Gatorade is going to be good. I've heard Coke is great, man. Let's, and let's don it all. Let's finish with a whole bunch of Twizzlers, man. Cause that's gotta be great as well. And so I knew, uh, I was, my, my family's going to meet me at mile 24 and right at mile 20, then you go all the way down and then, all the way back up. And then that was kind of a really tough stretch from 20 to 24. And this is how bad of a situation I was in. My family was waiting for me at that aid station mile 24. And I was going so bad that they had actually climbed down the trail to try and find me because I just wasn't there. And I see them and my kids at the time, like I couldn't even keep up with them trying to get up to the, to the top of the Hill. I mean, my body was in extreme shutdown mode. I get up there um and it was really interesting because the sky opened up and started dumping i mean just complete pour down and that they were parked you know so we kind of had to retreat to the cars and when we retreated to the cars then what happened is i mean then it was just projectile right i mean it was puke it was everything came up man i mean i did had no idea i could really puke that much cuz it had been you know, during the old puking rally days. So if you can picture this, I'm in the back seat, I'm opening up the car door, I'm puking, rain's coming down, I'm closing the door. And then I'm looking like at my kids who are just crying because they have no idea what's going on. No idea. And my wife then comes in, she shuts the door, says, I pulled you from the race. Now at that time, I had nothing I could really do. You know, I mean, I was in a real bad state. And so, and it's pouring down rain. I just couldn't argue. There's nothing I could do. So we're driving them back to the um, cabin that we rented, you know, for the weekend, for the race. And, um, you know, I kind of go in, man. And at that point, everything had come up. Now I just have the dry heaves, um, kind of in the shower. And I remember on the way back there, my son saying something to my wife saying, you mean daddy had to quit? You know, really innocent, six years old. And it's like that, kind of stuck with me a little bit because one of the things that we talk about in our house is that you just, whatever you're going to do, like you have to do it. You have to finish period. Right. I mean that I'm not saying that is for everybody, but that's how it is for us. So daddy had to quit. That started resonating in my head. You know, I lay down for a little bit trying to get my bearings. I think fall asleep. They kind of, they go out to lunch, they come back and now I'm up and you know, I'm not puking anymore. I'm able to drink some water. I think they had like a chicken finger that they had kind of brought back for me. I'm able to eat that and keep that down. And then it became one of those, who are you moments? Mm-hmm. I went and I, I woke my wife up cause they had laid down then to take a nap. And I said, we didn't come here to paint. We're going back to finish the race. And so she thought I was kidding. So two <laughs> hours and a little bit after two hours, after I had dropped, I went back to that same spot. Um, and then just kind of checked in and, you know, they have my number and everything. They said, okay, you know, go ahead and finish. So, I mean, that eight, some miles later of now after it rains and that humidity, you know, those horse lives are absolutely huge, man. They feast it on me, but I finished the race. Wow. I've got the slowest time. No one is going to beat that time. Then no one, man. <laughs> I mean, I had my, when I looked at like the finishers, I had my own page all to myself of how slow that was. So, I mean, it was like, if you would get on the treadmill at 3.0 and walk, I mean, you can do the elevation, anything you want, you know, for 32 and a half miles, that's what the pace then that I ended up being. But the thing was, the reason why is because you know what, I finished, man. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was a puke and rally moment. It set forth a book and it set forth, um, you know, a, a new wave really of my mentality. And that was, it's not about the setback. It's always about the comeback and that's where i look at hey whatever your mentality is going to be heading in the race that's what's going to unfold if you're going into the race we're going to see how it goes sort of thing then you're going to see how it goes if you go into the race determine no matter what i'm going to finish this race chances favor that you will finish that race then no matter what happens that was my mentality going in don't recommend and again there are a lot of gaps there in terms of the training and how the race went but you know i still finished man and that I lean on that a lot of times, especially when life gets tough. It's like, look, man, you just have to keep moving. Right. It's easy to say, and when it's all said and done, like more is said than done. But you know, in my reality, and and when that came, I mean, that was uh, that became truth, man.
1: Yeah, I, I can I can see why that would be such a, a powerful um, kind of moment, and, and and you know, always to to reflect back on of of you know like. Cause it would have been easy to just like, like, you know, you're, you're, you're lose every, all of the nutrition that you'd taken in, whether it was good nutrition or not, or, you know, the the right combination, probably not so, so ideal, yeah. but um you know, and, and a lot of times once, once that happens now, maybe, maybe when it's quote unquote, just a 50 K and you only have a handful of miles up, you can kind of get through it. But when you, you know, if that happens at you know, 30 miles deep into a hundred miler, you can be in real trouble cause you, you lose so much and it's really hard to get caught back up. But all that to say, it would have been easy to say, you know, Hey, it just wasn't my day, you know, learning experience chalk it all up to, to, to that. And, and, you know, next time we'll, we'll, you know, it'll, it'll go better. Um, but man, yeah. To, to go back out there, get back on the course, finish the race, finish what you started, um, has to be even more powerful to, to, again, to just kind of like plant the flag. This is, this is what we're going to do. Um, and I could, I could see that being very useful in, in, you know, probably just about every race you've run since then. Like you said, just the, this is the intention. This is what we're going to do. And, you know, there's st- certainly things could still go wrong enough that some, sometimes you can't, but man, for the most part, that's, that's going to keep you going.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's where it's like, you know, the hydration piece as long. I mean, there've been so many races, man, that I've puked, you know I mean? There's just a lot of issues that kind of go on and, um, and the heat is just really bad for me. So, but if you are hydrated, you're, you're able to recover. If you're not hydrated, if you're dehydrated, then that really gets scary. But I think you can always replace kind of the nutrition, but the hydration piece, that's what has to be there, man. And like, that's what I found out in subsequent races, man. Like I, I puked at mile 45, in my hundred miler, but I was hydrated. I wasn't dehydrated. So that part I was able to kind of, uh, not saying it went well, you know what I mean? But it's like, you're still able to recover from that piece. Um, the dehydration, man, that's what really gets scary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And, and um, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's just no, there's no good way to, to get the fluids back in if you if the well has run dry while you're still out there running and while it's still hot and things like that. Like that's just, that's yeah. just going to be a uh, body gonna, starts yeah, to
0: reject yeah, it, man. Yeah.
1: It really, really, truly does. Um, oh man. So many, so many places we could go from that story. Um, but I guess maybe let's just fast forward to, to the hundred, which if, if, if memory serves, and if i if social media stalking is, is correct wasn't too long ago that you, you crossed a hundred mile, uh, race off those. Am I accurate yeah. on that or did I, did I miss, did I miss my, miss my mark?
0: No, man, time is uh relative, right? So wasn't that too long ago. No. And it's, it's still fresh for sure, man.
1: So wh- like, what was the progression from, um, you know, I ran this, this 50 K a handful of years ago. It was, it was a struggle, but we got it done, ran some other races between then, like how early I guess in that process of uh, ran my first 50 K was like, Oh, hundred miler. Like, I want to do that. Like how, when did, when did that idea really set in and be something that you were aiming for?
0: Yeah. I had a couple of ladies who were just badasses, you know, and right away they're just like, Oh, you got a hundred milers coming up, you know? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't really know. (laughs) Well then, you know, once it started, I mean, and these are two tough ladies, man. I mean, they ran across like the whole state of Indiana. I mean, they're just badasses, you know? And it's like, um, you know, they, they kind of planted that seed early on. Uh, I did a, a JFK 50 miler did the Ironman in there. Um, and then it just, it was like, well, we're just going to do it. So, um, that was, uh, I, I always reflect kind of like on the training. the training with it was not good, man. It was bad, you know, cause I still had some gaps with the nutrition and hydration I had to figure out. Um, and I always say like when you're going to go through the training piece, like you are training, you're not testing yourself. I think too often we try to test ourselves on these runs. Hey, if today was the run, how would I have done? Um, I'm not saying there can't be some elements of that, but I always had to stay in that training mindset just because I needed the flexibility of you're going to be ready when the time comes, right? You don't need it perfect right now, even though it's, you know, six weeks out. Um, And, you know, the hundred miler, man, that was, uh, I always think again, when the sun goes down and the sun comes up sort of thing, when you have that storyboard of, of your life, there are these snapshots that you have that kind of stick around. Um, and I mean, there's just so many different, uh, parts, I think from that, that, that stick out. Um, when I would kind of encounter people, I'm an encourager when I'm out there, when I'm going to encounter people and they were, they already had it made up in their mind that they were going to drop. Um, when, after I puked and then I'm on the chair, um, I've got 50 more miles to go and I'm coming in. Well, they had a 50 mile race as well. You know, they're talking about the beer they're getting ready to have, the burger that they want, you know what I mean? And I've got 50 to go. Um, those sort of, you know, mental challenges that happen. And that's just what, like, I do these things because it translates into real life. Right that there are going to be a lot of dark periods in life, man. You just have to keep moving. You're right. You just got to make it to the tree. Just got to make it to the next aid station. So, I mean, I can uh, elaborate on any of those, man, but it's like, um, that's why I do them, man. It's just because like, look, if you can do it in the race, you can do it in life.
1: Yeah. That's it. It's, uh, I've, I've talked about, I've been, I've been, haphazardly. And when I say haphazardly, I I don't even mean haphazardly. I've been, I've been kicking around writing a a second book for a while. And the idea of being marathons and metaphors is basically kind of like the life lessons that, that I learned from running or that, that I've learned from folks that I've talked to about running over the years and just, and just how those are so easily applicable to, um, everyday life situations and just things that we go through on a daily basis that such an easy translation. And, and, you know, I, I I can only, I, I, like I said, still haven't done a hundred miler yet. Um, no real plans on, on, going to that distance anytime soon but i also know if i say i'll never do it then that is right in the right in the ticket and then i'll have to do it before too long so um but anyway all that to say i can see why that would be such a you know there's so many things you can learn so many things that that you can apply especially in in your line of work with the mental toughness and and you know kind of riding out the rough patches and and moving through things um so you know talked a little bit there that um you know puked it around 45, you know, kind of get to mile 50 and you hear people talking about shutting it down because they're at the end of their race and you've, you know, you're just at the halfway point. Um, yeah. You know, how, how did the, the second half of the race go? I'm, I'm clearly not easy because there's nothing easy after you've already run 50 miles, but how was, how was the second half yeah, of the man. 100 miler for you?
0: You know, the, um, so at that aid station, you got to go back out for two more loops And I had a pacer that was there. That third loop was just absolutely straight up awful, man. There was no way to deny that. But the thing was, and I I had like a videographer there, man. So it was, um, um, I'm supposed to be on that chair for about 10 minutes and I was on that chair and I'm looking at the clock having to go back out. And I mean, it was, it was as fast as I've ever seen time go because it's 15 minutes. It's 20 minutes. And it was 30 minutes on that chair before I could get up and like really get going again. Um, so that was like a dark period, man, added a lot of time. Um, and then the fourth loop though, after I had puked and then rallied fourth loop, um, became like the second fastest after the, after the first loop. I mean, that loop was, was great, you know, and it was, uh, you know, empowering. I mean, empowering and uh, yeah, man, we just got to puke and rally, bud. we just got to overcome the setbacks and, and make sure that, you know, it is going to be about that comeback. Um, and and that's where like all the stories come from. So when people are saying, look, it's not about like the destination is about the journey. The reason why I think they say that is, and the reason why it's true is because when you reflect on it, yeah, the finish is wonderful and the finish is meaningful, but you still reflect then on, Hey, what you overcame, who did you connect with? What were some of those memories that stick out? And that was from the actual race itself. And so that's the most beautiful part of when I look back on it, man, is just having that memory of being able to put yourself in it. And it's like um, Gil Reyes was was Andre Agassi's strength coach. And I had him on the podcast and he said this quote, man, I I love it. I just think it's so epic. He's like, look, some battles aren't worth fighting even if you win. So when I think of my partner, my wife, when when we have a fight and I win, like I don't, I don't win that, right? Like there's no win in that one. But the real part of that quote was he says, some battles are worth fighting even if you lose. Hmm. I thought that was such a righteous statement, man. Because I was like, yeah, are you willing to put yourself out there knowing that failure is an option and that could happen? But are you willing to do it? And that was the part where my whole life, man, like I've missed shots. I've struck out, but I want the shot. You know what I mean? I'm not afraid to take that shot. And that's the part where I think um, you have to be willing to at least put yourself out there because knowing that it's going to be worth it, even if you lose, even if you don't make it, uh, it's worth the the part of putting yourself in that arena.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's where, you know, the, like that's where you grow, right, is when you're when you're in that that space of uncomfort and that space where, you know, it could go either way and and hopefully more often than not, at least hopefully you're able to keep it on the rails and keep things moving in that direction. And then the next time it's a little bit easier. And hopefully the next time it's a little bit easier because you've been there, done that some confidence builds and, and you just continue to grow. Um, curious on, on your take on this, uh, both from just the, the experience itself, but maybe also from some of the, the sports psychology and kind of some of the mental side of things, you can take it whichever way you want to go with it. But you said, you know, that, that second half of the, the race, you had two laps to go first, the first loop through, which would have been the third loop was, was really rough, really hard. Um, and the last loop was, was, you know, the second fastest. It sounded like it went pretty darn, darn good, especially, you know, when you, when you graded on the scale of you already have 75 ish miles under your feet and now you're going out there for the final 25 or so, like, like you start grading it on that scale and that's pretty darn good. And, and I I feel like I've heard similar types of stories where, you know, there's, there's always these rough patches in a hundred mile race, but, but sometimes, you know, hopefully most of the time you get through them. Um, Curious if, if there's any reasons that you can point to things you can think of in terms of why that that last loop when, in theory, you should have been the most tired, the most sleep deprived, the most fatigued from from running muscle sore, all those types of things. Um, how come that final loop was so much better than the third loop, do you think?
0: Yeah, I, you know, and, and I had a friend that told me this, too. And in terms of like looped races, um, all you got to do is make it you just got to make it out for that last one. Mm-hmm. So really, I was just thinking I'm ahead. You just have to do three loops. You just got to make it out for that fourth loop. You, you'll bring it back in, you know, and that was like, yeah, all right. I just got to do three and make it out for the fourth. I think part of it was, um, you know, because the third loop was so was so poor, Um, it allowed me to recover. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's that part. Um, And then the other part is just interesting, like when you have that when you know the destination is there, when you're kind of in the middle of the race, you're not really, you can't really focus on the finish. here, and not saying it was focused on the finish, but it was like, okay, that's the last time I'm going to be at that aid station. And what I do like mentally wise, I don't know if this is good or bad, man, but it's just like, I will tell myself, at least you're not back there. Mm -hmm. So at least you're not three miles back at that aid station. Right. So I kind of picture myself like when you were there and then, and then you just kind of project a little bit, right. It's like, um, not, a, I'm not really a countdown or anything like that up until like the last little bit. So it's just, look, you just got to keep moving. You just got to be able to find your rhythm. I think that's what it was, man. I found my rhythm, um, knew that the finish line was there, knew that this was the last time I was going to be on this hill. And those sort of things, uh, you know, motivate you, I think, get you, get you going a little bit more. And, um, you know, that's always true as well as like when the sun comes up, it is, uh, reinvigorate you. And I had like 13 miles left when the sun started coming up. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I just, um, uh, I think that was probably like the factors that kind of go into it and people can borrow that, that strategy, but you know, Hey, at least I'm not at the bottom of that Hill, right. At least I'm a little bit further than what I was. And that, that always kind of helps me, um, keep things in perspective and right size the the issues.
1: Yeah. D- coming off of uh of the heels of that answer especially with like you said the loop course and like uh, all right i'm, I'm here and I, I don't have to be here again and i don't have to be here again and yeah. um do do you think and and this is i guess really much speculation because you know this is the the 100 mile you've done was, was on a loop course but how would how would that differ or how would the strategy maybe differ if you were running a point to point hundred where you know you get to that last 20 25 miles whatever um and you haven't been at this part of the part of the course before it hasn't been like, all right, this is the last time going to this aid, you know, thanks Teresa for all the, all you've done for me today at the aid. Like, you know, you're not, you don't see that person yeah. multiple times. You're not having that, that same, um, you know, that, that, that able to be, this is it. Last time here moving forward. Um, Do you think it would be different? Or do you think I'm I, again, all speculation, but just kind of curious how, yeah. how that might handle, you know, point to point versus loops.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I was at, I was at Western States this year and I was pacing a friend um the one part that I think applies is definitely it's like when you pass a section, you know, and something that's as which is much pageantry as like Western States, you're familiar with that course. And same thing applies, right? Like, well, that's the last time I'm gonna be at Rocky Chucky, you know, that's right. the last time I'll be at mile eighty. Um so I think that part definitely applies. Um and it's just sort of the mental games uh that you kinda have to, you know, and the conversations that you have to kinda have with yourself. Like I mean, when you go through those three canyons and you come out it's like, all right, well that's the last time I'm going to be at that Canyon. Right. Um, and it's sort of First that
1: last, but then you can still frame it as last. Yeah, exactly. Man.
0: Man. You know, and it's like, you have to have a, uh, a brutal acceptance of where you are, but you also have to have hope. And I think those little bits of knowing where, how far you've come can give you the hope. Um, but you can't be focused so much on the finish because then it's like, you know, the prisoner mentality, man. It's like the uh, Stockdale paradox, like Stockdale paradox. It's fantastic. And everybody's not familiar with it. It's like, you know, Admiral Stockdale was POW Vietnam war eight some years. And it's like, okay, well, how did you make it? And others didn't. And the part that he said, and I apply it to running and daily life. He was like, you have to have hope and you can never lose that hope that you're going to make it home. But the other part was, is, but people that would struggle, he said, they would set like a date. They would say, okay, well, we're gonna be home by Easter, or we're gonna be home by the summer, or we're gonna be home by Christmas. Well, Easter would come and go, and they, there was no, they weren't gonna go anywhere. Right. Summer would come and go. Christmas would come and go so you can't have you have to have a, a brutal reality of where you are right now just knowing that at some point that you are going to finish you will get there but you can't be having those time constraints to it because then that's where i see man i'm not on my time goal or whatever that's going to be that becomes now that another mental hurdle that you've just added to yourself um and that part becomes so important you just have to have a, a brutal acceptance of your reality as it is right now and then to be able to adjust and overcome and move on with the hope of no matter what, I'm still going to finish.
1: I I hadn't, I think I'd heard that, but never framed as the Stockdale, Stockdale paradox, but I I feel like I've heard that, that, that story before, um, whether history class, whatever, but I I feel like I've heard some, some along those lines, but to, to bring it to, you know, and I, I totally get what you're saying. And I, and I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, but I guess the, the question then becomes from the, the runner's perspective, Um, you know, Mm -hmm. if I'm out, I'm out to, to run this race and I'm looking to to PR or, you know, whatever, I've got my time goal. Um, and, and I, and I fall behind it to the point where like, probably, you know, I can puke and rally all I want, but like we're, we're, we're in trouble. Like the, the, the numbers are really against us in terms of getting back on track. Um, like I feel like for me personally, it'd be kind of hard to disentangle the, that this is the, the, the current reality, but also like the current reality is I'm not going to hit my goal. Like, yeah, I might still get right. to the finish line and, and depending on the race, I hate to say it this way, cause it sounds somewhat snobbish, but like the finish line, the finish line isn't the goal, right? Like the, the PR was the right. goal, the Bo- the Boston qualifying, the, the, whatever the, the the goal might've been. So like in that situation, wh- what do you kind of do, try to do mentally to like, this is the situ, like, this is the, the, the harsh reality and I'm still going to finish. But like, again, like without sounding too much like a, a douche, like finishing doesn't like, I was going to finish, like finish was never a question. You know what yeah. I
0: mean? Yep. Yep. Happened to me in the Boston marathon, man. I mean, you know, I was not as attuned to those four hills that I should have been right. and my training and I look back on it. It's always going to get back. I think of man, how our preparation was my, my preparation for that um, wasn't as dialed in as what it needed to be. You know what I mean? I, I needed to take a little bit more of like a, a trail race mentality into that marathon. Cause I was on, but then once I hit that fourth hill, uh, legs were done man and it, it fell off hard and those last five miles of boston sucked man it was awful because i knew i wasn't gonna make it mm-hmm. you know and you got all these people that are screaming and that's the part it's like you have all these people that are screaming boston marathon is fantastic right you're running by boston college and i'm running i don't know man like a 10 minute pace at this point right just completely falling off and there's nothing you can really do There's really not, you know, there's nothing I could do physically. Um, It didn't matter who was going to be yelling at me at that time. Like I'm giving it all I've got. So what I had to do, and I'm not saying I did a really good job at this because what happened was is, all right, it's staring me in the face, man. I'm not going to hit my goal. Um, So all I could really do, man, was just trying to like find my rhythm. And I had to focus on somebody else. Mm -hmm. And when I focus on somebody else, I get outside my own head. So that's what I was able to do at that point. Just hey man, you're looking really good, bud. You're, like doing great, you know. Even though I was horrible at that point, so the only thing it did to me was get outside of my own head. And I'm gonna, I'm still gonna enjoy this. Uh, I'm not gonna be burdened by these expectations I have. Now later on, I was right. I'm still disappointed. Um, but that's where I look at the importance of being able to being able to get outside of your own head. And that means we have to be able to connect with other people. You connecting with other people. Hey, man, like the rhythm, what you're doing, man, doing good. Um, gets us out of our own head. That's the only strategy that I know uh to really work. And that works in real life as well, man. If you're having like a tough time, things are not going well, get outside your own head, you gotta connect with other people. Mm-hmm. Then we get outside of our own head, then we're you know, we're no longer behind enemy lines.
1: I feel like that goes along the the very similar lines, and correct me where I'm wrong, of like sometimes that And maybe it is, you know, getting out of your own head because like, like how many times, and again, I'll just throw myself under the bus. Have I, have I berated myself for something, whether it's a poor workout or whether it's not being super productive at work today, just being too distracted, whatever it might be and not getting everything done that I wanted to get done. Um, but if I, you know, if my wife has a similar situation or a training partner or a client or wh- whatever the case might be, if it's somebody else and they're like, oh, man, you know, like I, I, I had such a shitty day at work today. Like I I, I barely got anything done. It's like, well, what, what did you get done? You got one thing. All right. So you got one thing done. You move, you move the needle a little bit on one area and, you know, now right. you come back tomorrow. um, And so, so, yeah, I mean, I guess. I, I guess there's a lot of overlap there of just like connecting with like, because what I would say to myself in that situation wouldn't be that. But when I say to somebody else, if you can get out of your own head by talking to somebody else, maybe that makes it a little bit easier for you to take maybe your own, your own advice from whether it's yeah. advice like that or not. Right.
0: You know yeah, and that's, and that's the thing, man. I think that's a great point because the hardest person to coach is ourselves. Mm-hmm. I can't coach myself. I really can't. And I know all this stuff, but I cannot coach myself. And the reason why is because the mind itself is designed to, keep me safe, doesn't want me to reach my goals, doesn't care about my goals, just wants me to stay safe. Well, when you're going to be trying really difficult things, staying safe is not part of the equation, man. Um, So that's why the brain, you know, stays a little bit disengaged when it comes to that. So it's like, you really have to have a plan of um, how are you going to be able to coach other people because who you really coach and then at your, at your same time if I'm telling enough people that I believe in you, you can do this, right? Hey, just stay confident. Don't worry about it. yesterday. Just focus on today. When you coach other people up, that's how you coach yourself up. Mm-hmm. Like that's the real secret. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's the part that we I never got. I was always just going to say, so focused on what you're doing. Look, you got to get outside your own head. I mean, look, let's look at like Des Linden, right? When she won the Boston marathon, right. she was going to drop. Mm-hmm. She was out. Mile 13, not going well, off pace, horrible conditions. We're going to drop. So she's telling Shalane Flanagan, if you need anything, need me to block the wind, whatever you need, you know, I'm here for you. So Shalane's like, well, you know, I'm going to go use the bathroom. You know, how about waiting up for me? You know, Wait for her. who gets the second win, man. Mm-hmm. You know, Des Linden gets the second win, And why? Well, because she got outside of her own head by focusing on somebody else, not her own issue and what she was doing. And, when we get the second win, that's when like the real gifts happen. So what does it take, man? It takes us, we have to stay in the race mm-hmm. and we got to be able to focus on other people. And no matter how small it is, because who we're really focusing on is ourselves. I think that is why Arthur Ash said the most selfish thing that you can do is to help somebody else out because mm-hmm. you're helping yourself out at the same time.
1: Yeah. Oh man. I love that. I love that. Um, taking a little bit of a hard pivot there's no no good way to well not really taking a hard pivot but um kind of continue along with the with the the, the mental side of things and and some of the things we have talked about mm-hmm. but just kind of curious to kind of rewind on on that topic where, where did you know kind of this this career path begin for you i know you said you kind of been playing sports most all your life so so
0: oh know, yeah
1: my background is in athletic training as, as a kid growing up as an athlete as well like i wanted to be around sports pretty clear i, I knew i wasn't going to be a professional athlete but athletic training was a way that i could be on the sideline part of a team or at least kind of feel like I was part of a team. Um, so, so, I mean, sports psychology kind of the, you know, s- still able to connect with athletes and do that type of thing. Uh, but when did you decide that, that was the, the route you wanted to go down professionally?
0: Yeah, man. Um, so I was the, uh, I was like Sheldon from big bang theory growing up, right? I was the athlete that would think way too much, man. You know, I just could never shut off that mind and no one could ever help me out. No one. I mean, everyone was always like, well, once the game gets started, you'll get dialed in. But that never worked. You know, I mean, I was always constantly thinking and I was an all or nothing athlete. I was an athlete that was really good or I was really bad. There was no in between. So coaches hated me, man. And uh, when I got to college, um, I ended up, you know, really excelling in partying up till college. And for some reason, I went to there to play baseball. I have partying and baseball what could possibly go wrong and no accountability. <laughs> um, and for some reason we were partying near this, uh, near this bridge in West Virginia and near this bridge was a cliff. I ended up walking off a 80 foot cliff, Ooh. hit one slain at the bottom of this crevasse. They have to crane me up out of it, broken back, fractured arm, um, taken to the hospital where my mom's a nurse and then bam. So baseball is done, but I was alive, man. You know, I survived and, If it wasn't for that accident, I probably wouldn't have taken that psychology class because then when I took the psychology class, it was tattooed in my heart. This is what I want to do for my whole life, man, help athletes, coaches, and teams perform their best when it matters the most and help them deal, handle, and cope with the adversity, struggle, and setbacks in life. So that's where that really took off. And, you know, there's a lot. We don't always know the path, but that goal of working with athletes, never deviated. So, you know, I've considered myself and in every bad situation, some good is going to come out of it. That was the good that came out of it. And then from college and however you think of Lance Armstrong, he still had an epic quote, man. He said, if you ever get a second chance of life, you got to go all the way. When I got that second chance, I wasn't going to blow it. You know what I mean? So it was like, man, I immersed myself in that field and do whatever it took to be able to finish. And um, that's where, that seed was planted and that, uh, you know, I always consider myself blessed that 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 happened because the alternative where I was was going to be, you know, incarceration or death. Um, that's where that train was headed. So thankfully, it did wreck at that point and not saying there weren't other wrecks that happened, man, but that was uh, that was how I got into that field um, and consider myself, you know, really, really blessed for it, man.
1: Yeah, walking walking off a cliff and uh, you know living to tell the tale. That's 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 a pretty big deal. But then to have that be really a, a key moment to kind of change change trajectory for the good. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty amazing. Um, from you know like I said in the in the intro, and and I'm not trying to to get too deep into the weeds on myself, but like the the mental side of of running has been has been. I feel like I've gotten better with it over the years. I've kind of been trying to work on some things, and I think I think for me personally, and, and I'd love to hear your your thought on this as well. Um, experience has made a world of difference. The more I've run, the more races I've run, the longer distances I've run, the more volume I've run, just the more confident I feel, the more, you know, things don't go quite as sideways at the end of, toward the end of a race, because I've been there, done that. Maybe I know how to to salvage things a little bit better. Um, but all that said, you know, I, I feel like there's been plenty of times where the mental side of things is, is kind of held me back a bit, or at least held me back from what I could have been capable of that day. Um. Which, which I know is kind of a uh, – this is going to be an open-ended question or very, very vague question, so feel free to, yeah. to narrow it down however you, you see fit. Um, but but when it comes to, to working with runners or, or individual sport athletes as well, I know you've worked with some golfers and things like that where it's it, it's individual. And maybe you've got your caddy as a, as a golfer, but, like, you don't have other teammates. You don't have other people you can rely on and lean on and, and let them pick up a little slack, and you can pick up a little slack later. Um, when you're out there – when I'm out there running a race or when somebody's out there on the golf course or you're out there running running a race – um, and you start to have some of those doubts. W- what are some good strategies to, to, you know, you kind of, we talked about relying on your training. I mean, I think that's a big deal. I think for me, experience has been a big deal, but other things that you can go to, whether it's mantras, whether it's, it's whatever mental, mental gymnastics, mental judo things to, to turn some of those, those to thinking outside yourself. We talked about that one as well, but other things that we can, we can look to, to kind of step up the mental game when when you know, when you're kind of at that point of a race where like, you know, we, we got to, we either got to do this or, you know, it's not going to happen the way we want it to.
0: Right, right. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think um, you got to know what the strategy is going to be, I think, heading into it. I think a lot of time for trying to do mental gymnastics when we're out there and there was no plan on how to deal with it, it's it's just a whole lot more difficult, you know what I mean? Because there's so many different factors that are going on. So number one is we have to get back to reality. And the reality is, is just because mile 16 is shit doesn't mean mile 21 is going to be bad. That's reality, right? I mean, just because we are going through a really tough period in life right now. It does not mean next month's going to be horrible, but we do that in our mind. We're like, Oh man, if it's so bad right now, how's it going to be? See, we project right. And that's becomes the issue. So you got to bring it back to right here and right now, knowing that, all right, what is it that I need to do? You got to find a rhythm. I always say that, I man, just find the rhythm, find your natural rhythm. Even if it's gearing down a little bit, that's fine, man. But find the rhythm that your body's telling you what you need to do. And then what you do is you just got to make it to the damn tree. Mm-hmm. Excuse my language on this, right? But that, I mean, I'm a simplest, powerful kind of guy, man. Just make it to the post office box, right? Make it to the mailbox. Make it to the tree. If you start thinking too far ahead, man, that's where it becomes overwhelming. But can you make it to that tree and find your rhythm? Bam, bud. That's as simple as I think that we can keep it. And if anybody's listening, man, if they want, they, you know, when they go to my website, they can download, I got like a daily focus roadmap. kind of lays out, hey, the importance of finding your rhythm. I think rhythm is sometimes more important than speed, right? Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Um, You know, they can download that. Um, Again, you, you put my website in there, but it's uh, I just think those simple strategies, simple is powerful.
1: Well, and, and I don't know why, I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I've never thought of it that way before, but like, if you're already struggling, if you're in a rough patch, and the solution is complicated, but like that, that isn't going to help you. Like that's like, you know, especially from a mental perspective, like if if you have to overthink when you're already maybe overthinking, like that's not going to get, that's not going to get you anywhere. So yeah, the, the most simple, whatever, whatever the easy thing is, like you said, find your rhythm, get to the next tree, get to the next street, get to the next, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you can see that's just, just, just right there. Uh, and then keep renegotiating until, until, like you said, you know, mile 16 might be rough, but then you get out of that patch and all of a sudden now you can kind of, you, now your rhythm maybe picks back up to the gear you want it to be in. And now we gotta, now we get the races back onto the finish line.
0: Right, man. Right. You know, and that's the mental agility, you know, that we have to have in life, man. The ability to adjust. Champions can adjust. Period. Mm-hmm. And that's what we gotta kind of look at, man. What, what are my adjustment strategies, and how am I gonna approach those? Yeah. For sure, man.
1: Yeah. Um, I I know we're running running low on time, but I do want to make sure we we talk about the the new book. Uh, I can't wait to be patient. Um, and the oh, fastest yeah. way to, what is it the subtitle on the fastest way to get there? I got it here right in front of me. Um, which, which I feel like I talk about patience a lot and, and, you know, we, we, and any you talk about it in the book, we live in this fast paced world where it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, two day shipping on Amazon is even like, God, why is it taking two days? Like it used to take a day and now it takes two. What's going on? Like, why can't we get it right, right now, right now, right now, everything, you know, if a website doesn't load in four seconds, we're just like, ah, forget it. I guess it wasn't that important. We'll go, we'll go somewhere else. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the idea that um, especially from a running perspective, at least the, the way I always come at it is that that, you know, if you want to build a good foundation as a runner, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes it takes months. It takes years. Um, and and you've got to be patient. You've got to keep keep putting in the work. Um, but uh, I, I don't know exactly where the question is going on that other than. Um, Maybe how come, how can we struggle with patience so much other than just so, so far around us in the world today of everything instant, instant, instant. Um, but has, you know, like, like, how, and, and maybe then how do we get to being a little bit more patient with trust in the process and getting to where we want to be other than obviously getting the book, reading the book, but you know, a couple of, a couple of quick yeah. you know, bites from the book to kind of maybe wet people's appetite.
0: Yeah. that's kind of what I put it in there, man. I, that's why I wrote that daily focus roadmap is like, Hey man, here's a roadmap in terms of um, how to be able to structure the day because rhythm is more important than speed. Mm-hmm. You know why? I mean, if we just look at, and what I'd love for people to pay attention to, man, is pay attention then to how many sales tactics are out there that are going to be selling you on time, mm-hmm. 30 days or less. Um, which book would you read, right? How to be rich in seven to nine years or how to be rich in sixty days. Right. So automatically what we start doing with that time is we equate time faster with an easier path. That's and that's what's that's where the disconnect is. So anybody that pays attention to it, pay attention to how somebody's gonna sell you on time. I think it's our most precious resource. And it only becomes so important when we realize that it's a finite amount. Supply-demand theory, economic theory, it works and applies to time as well. When we're young, We have an unlimited supply of time, demand not that high. Well, at some point it switches, right? The supply, now we realize the supply goes down and now the demand has gone up. So now we place more of a premium on time. There's a reason why procrastination, most procrastination is between 14 and 29 year olds. Because only after that point do we realize, hey, time's our most important resource. We got to keep getting after it. Um, And that's why I wrote the book, man. It's because it's like, look, we're designed to get from point A to point B as fast as possible, but there's a better way. And I was always, um, you know, because it's, it's these mountaintop moments that we're going to have in life. You know, the mountaintop moments of an accomplishment celebration. But, and those are the times that we say, man, I can't wait for that. Hey, I can't wait for that cruise. Can't wait for that birthday. Well, why don't we say, boy, I can't wait to be in pain. Boy, I can't wait for mile 17 to be really in that dark spot of life. Boy, I can't really wait and, you know, until my, my child's sick. So what we're saying when we can't wait for something is that we are in control of time. That's the fallacy, man. Our relationship with time is messed up. So I'm not saying that time is going to solve all our problems, but you need to start with time to look at the problem. Because when we're saying, I can't wait, what it's saying is that you are in control of that time. And that's where it's, that's, it's, it's wrong, man. It's the disconnect there. You know, you are in control of your time, but we start saying, man, I can't wait. Well, you got to, I mean, you have to be able to say that then for the opposite, because I've always wanted the good times to last a little bit longer. You know what I'm saying, Denny? Like I'm as always man, a mountaintop guy. Let's keep this celebration going. That was my like addicts mind. But I never, wanted, I never wanted the good times to end, but I, I always wanted them to last a little bit longer. I'm not in control of that. So because, and this is the proof, because the good times can't last, because the good times end, that is proof that the bad times can't last either. Mm. That is proof that this too shall pass. It works both ways, man. But we're only saying it like this too shall pass, like, is it a motivational saying? And it is. But what's the real proof in that? The real proof is because the good times not going to last. That birthday is going to come and go. That also means the bad times can't last either. And that became, you know, the impetus for writing that book, man. It's about improving our relationship with time and making sure our time is our most precious resource and that we're capturing it and and seizing it and really focusing on that, which is important in life.
1: Yeah, that's, that's um, like, like most things in life and, and uh, easier said than done, but it's something that you keep working at, right? You you find the rhythm, you work at a little bit more um, and, and hopefully, um, I mean, I guess, I guess my, my summation of that and from, from about halfway through the book and through reading it is, I mean, you, you know, live in the moment, you know, live in the moment of the bad, of the, of the rough patches, like they, they suck, but like, like you said, this too shall pass live in the moment of the, the ascensions, live in the moment of the, the, mountaintops. Um, because otherwise like, man, it's just like the time passes you by before you even realize it good and bad, but mm-hmm. especially, you know, you, we, 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 it's easy to, to bemoan the fact when the good times pass you by and you, and you spent too much time not living in the moment to really enjoy it.
0: Right. Yeah. Well said.
1: Um, one last, uh, plug of, of, things you've got going on with the podcast, the, the mental toughness podcast available wherever podcasts are found um, for those like me that maybe could step up their, their, um, you know, mental, the mental side of their game a little bit, whether it's running or life or anything in between um, tell us a little bit about the podcast, how long it's been going on. And, and um, I know it's not all focused to, for just runners, but I, I know there's probably plenty of lessons that, that would cross pollinate from whoever your, your guests are, a variety of different athletes that could, could work for us as runners. So um, tell us a little bit about the mental toughness podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And thanks for that. Um, you know, I started that in 2018. I was always putting it off, putting it off because I just didn't want to be one of the podcast guys. But I'm <laughs> always my- interviewing people. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm always I'm I'm interviewing people, and I like interviewing. And well, I mean, I just can't keep interviewing people and not having like a product for it. So that was the part of let's just make the product out of it, see where this goes. And so I interview experts, I interview athletes, I interview coaches on two parts, their mental game. Um, It's not about the setback, it's about the comeback. And then what was their hinge moment, right? What was that one moment, one person, one event that made all the difference in their life that connected who they are with who they became? Because I know we all have those moments there. If we haven't had them, they're coming. We just don't know what they are. Like we can't connect the dots in life looking forward. We can only connect them looking backwards, seeing the impact that that one person had in our life, seeing the impact that that one moment had in our entire life. And that's what I love, just uh, interviewing people about it, man, and and seeing what were those dark periods that they went through, how'd they overcome it, and uh, and those hinge moments. And that's what I'm all about, man. So I just love being able to interview different people and, and their stories, man.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, y'all are listening to listening to a podcast now, which means that that I don't have to tell you what a podcast is because you know. So, give give Rob's podcast again, Mental Toughness Podcast, a, a subscribe. Give it a listen, uh, and then obviously subscribe to keep learning keep learning those things because Lord knows, like I said earlier, no matter how how strong your mental game might be, um, you can always you can always improve it, and always you know never know when that little that little bit that little thing that you glean from somebody's conversation or some some story that they share um all of a sudden clicks and hits home for you um rob one yeah, nice last question right for you and we'll get you out of here i call it a yeah, but... philosophical question it's kind of like the introductory question that it's open ended you can take it wherever you want to go with it um but at this okay. point in your life you know you run a lot of races run your first hundred mile not too long ago um why do you do it why is running still such an important part of your life something that um you know you you keep getting out there keep keep putting in the work keep keep running the races why is uh why is running something that you enjoy doing so much
0: yeah um you know your why has to make you cry hmm. if it doesn't it's not deep enough and when you bring that up I just start thinking about well, when when am i at my most happiness right like when 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 is and not that we're going to be happy all the time right we're not going to be filled with joy all the time i i think Anybody that is that says that, you know, I think you're lying, you know what I mean? Cause you know, it's just, this is not reality, man. So I like to think of when I'm most peaceful, right? Peace is something that, that I want in my life. So when am I most peaceful? I'm most peaceful when I'm on the trail with my chocolate lab and we're getting ready to do something that's tough. Um, I never listen to music, man. I just focus on my breathing, focus on prayer, focus on that connection, um, gratitude and perspective, that's why I run, man. And, and the races are what keep me dialed into, well, keep pushing yourself because I get in a rut where, all right, man, I'm just going to be running five miles. Um, and that's good. Well, it is fine. You know what I mean? But it's like, look, when there's a goal there, that's, what's going to be pushing me a little bit further. Um, it's going to be stretching a little bit. So that's why I do it, man. It's just, uh, it's for the sanity. It's for the peace. And that's where I get it in my life, man.
1: Love it. And, uh, as is often the case when I ask these philosophical questions, I'm nodding along going, yep. Yeah. I totally can relate to that as well. And I know other yeah. folks listening can as well. So uh, y'all Dr. Rob is the website at Dr. Rob bell on Instagram and Twitter. Again, that's Dr. Just dr. no, no need to spell it all out at drrobbell Rob um, bell on Instagram and Twitter, Dr. Once again, um, Mental Toughness Podcast is the podcast, I Can't Wait to Be Patient, is the most recent book, but we'll have everything linked up as always. com slash 1178. com slash 1178. I'll get you back to the show notes for all the links for things we talked about today. Uh, Rob, I, man, time flies when you're having fun. I feel like we could have kept going for a whole yeah, lot yeah. longer. Um, but I do want to be respectful of your time. So thank you for, for chatting with us today. Thanks for giving me a few things that I can keep working on mentally, uh, for my running, hopefully some things that the, the folks listening can as well. Um, and, uh, just appreciate your time and your willingness and, uh, certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward, my friend.
0: My man. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you.
1: alright y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Rob and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your... Takeaway de jour, de jour. Um, for me, it's it's the idea of the the most selfish thing you can do is ask other people how they're doing because that's going to help you, especially when you're when you're in a rough patch. And I think the idea that that stood out to me so much um, a is because the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I think that that probably does help. But but b so often, and I'm I'm as guilty this as anybody, right? When when it's when it's a race, I'm out there. I've got my headphones on, um, kind of tr- trying to be locked in my own little world. And and sometimes, you know, when things are going relatively well, um, that's great. And and there is a time and a place. Maybe maybe sometimes towards the end of the race, you want to get locked in a little bit to put the headphones on. I mean, you know, I, I'm not I'm not here to say don't wear the headphones because Lord knows I'm going to keep wearing the headphones. But I think back at, at some of the races I've run. Um, some of the times that I, that I have taken the headphones off, or maybe I've started without the headphones and we're we're saving the music for, for kind of a little push towards the end. And, you know, if you can find another runner that's running about your pace, that doesn't have headphones on, which isn't always easy to do, but if you can do that, um, I've had some really good conversations with folks out there and, the reason I bring that up is because the more I think about it, those days when I was worried about other folks, when I was in- engaged in just the conversations during the course of, you know, mile five to mile 20 or something like that of a marathon. Um, and not like we were just dawdling, we were cruising. Um, but, but I didn't have, uh, you know, like, like I was in just as I, as I, look back and maybe it's with the benefit of hindsight, but I look back on some of those races and like, I wasn't struggling at all. Um, and, and, and I don't know that I would have had I not been talking to them, but but having some conversations or even just having a, a sharing a joke, sharing a, sharing a laugh with, with folks at various points along the way, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe there is something to this idea that you connect with somebody else and it takes you out of your own head and and that can be really beneficial. That can be really helpful um, by just, just worrying about other people. So I don't know that I have a fully formed takeaway. I don't know that I ever have a fully formed takeaway. Let's not kid ourselves. But I, my, my head's just kind of been spinning since Rob was talking about that and brought up the the Arthur Ashe quote. quote. And again, like as I look back at some of the races I've run where, where I thought it was going to be more of a struggle than maybe it was or, or maybe the conditions were pretty brutal um, – those tend to be a lot of the times where the races where I was, where I was engaged with other folks where I wasn't just locked into my music the whole way. Maybe, I, I mean, I can remember the the 45 mile that I ran, you know, a year and a half ago or two years ago now. Um, and I took the music off cause somebody else was really struggling and it was towards the end of the race. And like, I wasn't super struggling, but like it was an opportunity to help her get to the finish line and took the, took the headphones off, started talking and, and just was like come on let's go and and helped her get there and, and you know, I'm not saying that to try to be you know mr Mr. heroic mr. Valiant but it, it made the last handful of miles for me go by even smoother and hopefully helped her as well so I don't know like I said I don't know what, what the fully formed thought is but just you know getting out of your own head helping somebody else out checking in on somebody else uh, certainly in my running experience that's been that's been pretty massive I think and something that I'm going to try to keep keep in mind going forward whenever that that next race might happen to be. Um, and maybe just maybe play that out in other areas of life too. Maybe, maybe play that out. Although that that might force me to be less of an introvert, so maybe not. We'll see. I don't know. Um, but that was my takeaway. Somewhere in there was my takeaway. Um, maybe not even still fully formed in my head, so certainly not fully formed here. But um, worry about other people because that's good for you. I, uh, I like it. I like it. Anyway, what about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Maybe a little a little tip and tactic that Robin talked about? Maybe something from Something else. I don't know. Always, always all kinds of good things that come from the takeaways. Uh, what stood out to you from this episode? If you're willing to share it, I'd love to hear it at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram, at Dizruns on the threads as well. Dizruns at gmail.com if you want to shoot me an email. And if you head over to disruns.com slash 1178, that's the show notes for today. And of course, we've got that comment section down at the bottom. Beneath the links, beneath the photos, beneath the write up, all of the things that are always there every time, the comment box is always there as well. Feel free to type to your little heart's content. Fill me in on what stood out to you from today's episode and uh, be ready for a response because I'll give you a response there as well. So anyway, uh, AminoCo, sponsoring today's episode. If you want to get some amino acid supplementation that ticks the box of whatever dietary preference or requirement that you might have, um, and also they've got that 60-day money-back guarantee. So give it a shot. If you don't like it, if it doesn't agree with you, if it doesn't seem like it's working, just be like, hey, yo, it doesn't work. They'll give you your money back. I don't think you'll have to do that. But if you need to, it's there, which which always, at least for me, makes me feel a little bit better about trying something, especially if I'm not quite certain on it. The science is sound. Um, it, it's it's good stuff, y'all. But uh, give it, don't take my word for it. I mean, I guess I'm asking you to take my word for it. But, but try it out for yourself. Aminoco.com slash Dizruns is the link. Dizruns at checkout will save you 30%. Thanks to Aminoco once again for sponsoring today's episode. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, y'all. If you enjoyed today's conversation, if you know a running friend that might struggle mentally kind of like your boy does hit that share button and spread the spread the word for this one um even if they don't get a ton out of today's episode which i think they will but it wouldn't be worth it it wouldn't be worth it would be worth it wouldn't be a bad idea to go down the dr rob bell rabbit hole he's got some great books out there in addition to his new book i can't wait to be patient uh but check those out lots of good resources lots of good things to help on the mental front and again share that with a friend because you know get out of your own head help somebody else out makes you feel good as well there we go Br- bring that takeaway back look at me look at me it's like if i talk long enough we'll get we'll, we'll go in a circle yet again anyway y'all hit the share button spread the word appreciate when you do that and until next time y'all be well take good care thanks again for listening and uh we'll talk soon right there y'all